0: And We had left off last time, we were in Colossians chapter 3, and we had gone through uh, most of the chapter, the first part of the chapter, uh, we talked about uh, at the end of the lesson that we should put on charity, which is uh, that agape, selfless love, which is the bond of perfectness, and letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. In other words, through faith in Christ, uh, we trust in Him. And in the middle of all the things going on in the world, we have God's peace in our hearts, knowing that He's in control, that in Him we have forgiveness and life, that in Him we have a place in heaven. And of course, it says to be thankful. And we talked just a little bit about let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord how important it is that uh, we let god's word dwell in us richly and that we teach and admonish one another encourage one another with Mm -hmm. psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing with grace in our hearts to the lord you know rejoicing in his undeserved love and grace toward us and sharing that with others and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And so everything that we do is for the Lord, because uh, we were joined to Christ in our baptism. Uh, we have died with Him. Uh, we are alive uh, through faith in Christ. But it's not really us. It's it's our old Adam is still to be put to death. Uh, but we are now alive for the Lord, and we are his servants. And so the the rest of this chapter and the beginning of chapter 4 deal with uh, some applications of living the Christian life. And even though Lutherans sometimes don't emphasize the Christian life uh, quite as much as the fact that we are justified by faith, We certainly need to remember that uh, living for Christ and in accord with his word is very important because God saved us uh, by grace alone and through faith alone, but he also saved us for good works that we might do those things that God created us to do. And so Paul lays out some of the same things that he lays out in his letter to the Ephesians. And in fact, some suggest that, you know, when he talks about, uh, we'll get to that at the end of the chapter, but we uh, end of the the book or the letter, uh, that they should read the letter to the Laodiceans. That this might actually be uh, the a letter to the Ephesians, or you know, a copy of that that was sent to Laodicea, uh, but we really don't know for sure but we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on but there's a lot of similarities between uh, colossians and ephesians and they were probably written at the same time uh, and carried probably by the same person to uh, both churches Uh, because you you would go to ephesus first uh, coming from corinth across the aegean sea Uh, but then as you go inland uh, and further east, you would come to the church of Colossae. And so verse 18 comes to a rather unpopular uh, teaching of the Bible. And before I read it, I just I'm going to read to you the basis for that, which goes all the way back to God's creation in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. We talked about that just a little bit uh, back at about verse, I believe it was verse 10. Uh, What is the image of God? Well, it's obviously not looking like God uh, physically because God is a spirit, but it is to reflect uh, who he is. Uh, and his will and so the image of god is to know god who he is and also to be holy and righteous to know him and to love him and obey him gladly from the heart it's to be without sin Uh, that image was lost in the fall uh, and is being restored in us as believers by the holy spirit who is as we we read in uh, verse 10 of Colossians chapter three, that we put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so the knowledge of God is being restored in us as we learn to know God, who he is, uh, and to know his great love for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Where before we became Christian, we could We could learn of God and of his greatness, but we really couldn't grasp, uh, begin to grasp his love for us uh, and his working for us and trust in him. And so, uh, you know, like Luther says, we should fear, love and trust in God above all things. Well, we did not honor God as honor as he should be honored, nor did we trust him or love him because we could not grasp his love for us and what he has done for us. And also in Genesis chapter 2, it says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then at verse 18, we see the creation of woman Uh, again, because it's mentioned male and female created he them in Genesis 1. But in 18, it explains how this occurred. The Lord God said it is not good that the man should be alone, I will make him and help meet or fit for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And so God let Adam name all the animals, and in the process he showed Adam uh, that there was no partner for him, because as we go on, it says, And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so we see how God uh, originally designed and created uh, marriage between one man and one woman. And this, of course, is reflected, and perhaps I should have also read in Genesis 3 after the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned, uh, God, God says to the woman at verse 16, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to, to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And so at the fall is when God uh, decreed that, you know, Adam would rule over Eve, or that, that the husband would rule over the wife. And as Christians, we don't try to overthrow uh, God's design in creation, uh, what he's set up in creation, or since the fall, Uh, but rather we seek to uphold what God commands. And so we have the commandment, verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And so it is fitting and right for wives to submit to their husbands. And husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And again, you know, I told you how much Colossians uh, mirrors uh, the book of Ephesians on some of these things in Ephesians chapter 5 and this would be a chapter that I might call the love chapter but I don't think it's what people are referring to but in Ephesians chapter 5 it gives similar directions but much more explanation Uh, at verse For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so here St. Paul makes a comparison. Between the relationship of Christ in the church, or Jesus being the bridegroom and the church his bride, uh, to the relationship of husband and wife. And as he points out there, as the church is to be subject to Christ in all things, so ought wives be to their own husbands. And of course the reverse is also true, as the wife is, is, is to submit to her husband, so also... The church of Jesus all the true believers are to submit to him as the head of the church and so you know we may we may belong to a diocese or churches may belong to a synod or a church body but the head of the church is not you know the president or the bishop or whatever that person is called the head of Christ's church is Christ. And who are we to submit to? Who are we to follow? We're to follow Christ in all things. And so we submit to Jesus and his word. And so what the Bible says uh, is what guides us in living for the Lord. And it points out here in Ephesians that the wife submitting to her husband is not really, you know, a lot of people look at this as though, you know, the woman is submitting to somebody who is selfish and going to abuse them and take advantage of them and mistreat them and though I know that happens in some cases the husband is commanded to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her which means that the husband gives up himself his own desires his own ambitions and lives for the benefit for the good of his wife and of course of their children and so it's in the same ways, it's not a bad thing for us to submit to Christ because he is always working for our good. so also in a Christian marriage, uh, a wife submitting to her husband uh, is submitting to a husband who loves her and seeks to care for her and put her needs first and foremost. And of course, because of sin, that doesn't always work out the way you know God designed marriage to be. Uh, But we should endeavor to live in accord with that. And and as I said, you know, this is certainly not popular with uh, the world today. You know, the world keeps talking of equality. And we're not saying that husbands and wives are not equal. uh, But uh, the world uh, rejects the idea that a wife should have to submit to her husband. And that, of course, also infiltrates the church. Uh, Back when I first started in the ministry, I had a couple come that were were planning to get married and they wanted to uh, remove that part of the wedding vow uh, where the wife promises to submit to her husband because she didn't want to submit to her husband. Uh, And... I don't remember anymore, it's been too long ago, what I actually said to them about it, but uh, you know, I did point out there was a teaching of Scripture, but if the wife doesn't want to submit to her husband who loves her and is working for her good, why do they want to get married in the first place? And uh, husbands, as it says here in Colossians, are to love their wives and be not bitter against them. In other words, not to hold any bitterness or... Uh, dislike toward them, or you know, to to have this feeling of you know that that the wife the wife is a pain or something like that, or ill feelings toward her. But you're not supposed to be bitter against them. Rather, you're to love your wives and to consider what is good and best for them. Uh, and so, the world rejects this. Uh, as Christians who submit to Christ and his word, you know, as Jesus said, uh, when he gave the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he commanded you know, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said that we were to teach all things whatsoever he has commanded. Well, this the Bible is the teaching of our Lord Jesus. And so this is what we teach, and this is what we believe, even though the world uh, views this entirely differently children here are addressed children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing this is well pleasing unto the lord and then fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged and again to show you how this is mirrored in ephesians in ephesians chapter 6 It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so we see that children are to obey their parents in all things, and... They are to honor their father and their mother, and as it says here, this is the first commandment with promise, because God says in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, you know, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth, or on the land which the Lord your God gives you. And so there is great blessing in children obeying their parents, even though uh, because of sin, children often think they know better, uh, and, or it not in line with what they want to do and so they try to reject uh, what their parents or grandparents have to say to them Uh, but the way to live as christians is for children to obey their parents and when it says fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged uh, echoing what we see in uh, verse 4 of ephesians 6 "Ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It points out that, you know, in dealing with our children and raising our children, we're not to be overly harsh and just deal with them in anger and wrath and punishment, uh, but rather we're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're to point out to them what God's word requires, uh, what God's punishments are for, not obeying his word, and were to point them to Christ and God's mercy and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus, that in Jesus there is forgiveness, that in Jesus there's help and strength to live in accord with God's commandments. And so fathers are to be an example of Jesus uh, to their children and to their families, uh, to the wife, he gives himself for, he gives up his own goals and ambitions to meet her needs. For the children, he you know, doesn't just deal with them in anger and wrath, but he seeks to teach them the will of the Lord and the ways of the Lord and to correct them uh, with the discipline of the Lord. And I have to admit that you know, as a, as a father that with my children that often probably was too harsh and dealt with things in anger rather than uh, using the opportunity to teach them that this is contrary to God's will. And uh, I'm punishing you because I want you to follow after the ways of the Lord and, and also pointing them to Jesus for mercy and forgiveness. Uh, So often parents forget that. And oftentimes you see parents who are angry with their children and punish their children more because they're worried about, you know, how their children make them look or their children are an inconvenience to them or get in their way or do something that upsets them and, you know, gets in the way of what they were wanting to do uh, rather than truly seeking to follow in the steps of our Lord and discipline for the good of the child. So that the child sees his sins and repents and looks to Jesus for forgiveness and then is guided by God's word to live for the Lord God. And so how important it is for fathers not to provoke their children to anger, but rather to teach them the ways of the Lord. And that is getting more and more difficult these days Then it deals with servants and masters. Uh, since none of us are owned, you know, we may be owned by the bank or credit card companies or whatever that might be. But it, none of us are slaves or servants in the sense of, you know, not being free to go and uh, do, you know, to work where we wish to work and things like that. Uh, so this really has application to not just servants and masters but also to employees and employers because when we work for somebody we are agreeing that you know for whatever the wage might be that we are going to do you know what the employer asks us to do uh, for either a certain amount of time or a certain amount of product or whatever that we are to produce Uh, And so servants, it says, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, which means from the heart, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. And so the direction here for those who are employees, those who work for another, is that they are to obey them in all things. Of course, the exception, uh, which is not written here, but it is understood that if they ask you to do something which god forbids or they ask you not to do something which god commands we obey god rather than men because first and foremost we are servants of the lord jesus christ but in all things where you know it's not sin to obey uh, we're to obey our masters according to the flesh and we're not to do it just as i service as men pleasers so not just When they're looking, trying to put on a good show, but really not serving Uh, other times or sloughing off as soon as the boss is not looking. But it's to be in singleness of heart. In other words, it's not just to be an outward show. It's to be truly devoted to serving those who are over us as uh, our employers. And we're to do it fearing God. Uh, to honor god not for our own honor not so not just so you know our employer will say oh what a good employee is but that god receive the glory for uh, the work that we do and the, the the faithful service that we provide and it points out that whatever we do do it heartily or from the heart as to the lord and not unto men and so we're to remember that when we are Working for somebody else, and we do our best. Uh, we are doing it not for another human being so much as we are doing it for the Lord. Uh, and so we are to be serving the Lord in all things, including our our work that we do each and every day. And so, uh, being faithful in our work, doing what we're supposed to do, uh, doing the best we can. Uh, brings glory to God and uh, also God's reward, because it says in verse 24, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. We are servants of our Lord Jesus, and he is the one who is going to reward us, uh, even though we may be rendering service to an employer and doing the things that they ask us to do, Uh, we are first and foremost serving our Lord Jesus Christ and seek to bring him glory. And of course, there's also the warning that if we do wrong, uh, we will receive for the wrong which we have done. And there's no respect of persons with God. God does not show favoritism or partiality uh, to us if we are disobedient and rebellious children. God will deal with us as he deals with disobedient and rebellious children. And so there's the promise of blessing that when we serve our masters, when we serve our employers and do the best job we can, that not only will our employer possibly reward us, but our Lord Jesus will reward us. Uh, And he's the one who gives us our eternal inheritance. And the warning that if we don't do our best and we don't serve uh, faithfully, that not only will we be judged by our employer, but we also will be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we serve because we're not being faithful in what he has called us to do. And again, comparing this to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Uh, Very much exactly, you know, just exactly the same thing, slightly different wording, but exactly the same thing as Paul uh, wrote to uh, the Colossians is here in the book of Ephesians. He also has directive here uh, for the masters, which... Uh, It seems like kind of an odd place in as far as the chapter break at the end of Colossians 3, because when you look at Colossians 4, verse 1, uh, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And here in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 9, and ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respect of persons with him. And in, in many ways, we all, we all need a master over us. Uh, where people tend to get into trouble is when they have no one over them watching over what they do. Uh, You know, Lonnie and I saw that in law enforcement in Kansas where uh, county attorneys who are really kind of the most powerful people in the county uh, because they can determine who gets charged and what they get charged with or whether they don't get charged at all. And uh, law enforcement uh, in a lot of the small counties, you know, there's really no oversight unless, you know, it becomes a, a major crime uh, that's being committed. And so there's a lot of crooked dealings in uh, small uh, counties and things where nobody's, you know, there's no master. There's nobody looking over their shoulder. Uh, We need to remember, you know, we have a, if we're working for an employer, uh, we have someone over us. If we are the employer... Uh, we need to remember that we are under another master. We're under our Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we might not have an earthly master who is uh, watching over us, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is. And of course, this probably has a lot of application to pastors too, because a lot of times pastors, because they have no one really watching over them, uh, take advantage of people and congregations and it's uh, so disappointing uh, that that happens and they sometimes forget that they have a master in heaven who is watching over them to whom they must give an account uh, for how they carry out their ministry so masters or employers even though you know they have a lot of power and authority and maybe even more so in those days when you know there were not wage laws and all kinds of other things that people could go to uh, if they were being mistreated by their employer, their master. And especially if they were a servant, they really didn't have uh, many rights or any rights at all. Uh, But St. Paul reminds them that uh, you have a master in heaven. Uh, You're going to have to give an account for how you treat those who are under you and for employers uh, they will have to give an account uh, for those that work for them and so he says you know masters give unto your servants that which is just and equal Uh, and this is probably a a tough one uh how do you know i think the difficult part is part of the uh economic system that we are in is to obtain things for the lowest cost possible uh, and then to sell them for the highest price that people will pay for it uh, and not us go out of business because nobody will pay for the product uh, and earn the most income well as a christian our thinking should be different instead of thinking about you know, how little can I pay my employees to increase the profits, Uh, we should be thinking of what is fair and just, what is right, you know, to give to our employees, because we remember that they are created by God, uh, redeemed by Christ, and in many cases are fellow believers with us. And so for us to take advantage of, of an employee simply because we can, uh, is is wrong if we truly love our neighbor as ourself? We're going to consider, you know, what fair wages are for the work that an employee does, and not take advantage of the employee and not give him what is just and fair, but take advantage and you know make a big profit ourselves while somebody else does all the work. Uh, And so that's always something that, as Christians, uh, love for Christ, love for God, love for our neighbor plays a part in all this. We need to consider what is good and right. And people will come out, you know, in different places as to, you know, what is good and right. Uh, But a Christian employer is going to want to do what is good and best for his employees. You know, he needs to make a profit. Uh, He's not in business in order just to, Uh, give away everything but at the same time uh, he needs to balance that need with how do I take good care of my employees and often it works out uh, that way anyway that an employer who takes good care of his employees has employees who are much more willing to serve and do what is needed is needed and to be you know you're not training a new employee every every month or every two months that you know they stay with you because you treat them right Uh, and so as christians we have a responsibility as employers and employees uh, because we're all under christ and he is our master and we seek to serve him and we answer to him uh, in all of these things then paul says to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving If you think of Jesus' words to his disciples when uh, he was in Gethsemane, uh, he told them to watch and pray lest they enter into temptation. And I have to admit that this is probably uh, one of my weaknesses is not spending enough time in prayer. Uh, Many times God does not give us things That maybe we really need that he really would like to give us but he wants us first to recognize who it is who gives them and turn to him and ask you know he says call upon me in the day of trouble and i will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me or in in james james says you know you you have not because you ask not Uh, god wants us to know who it is who gives us these blessings and here Paul tells us to continue in prayer Uh, in the book of Thessalonians it's pray without ceasing you know don't ever don't ever stop be always praying and we've seen the Apostle Paul mentions praying night and day Uh, we should always be talking to God Uh, not necessarily all the time on our knees you know, in in a more formal prayer, but each and every day should be lived in prayer, praying to God for uh, the needs that we see. And as it says here, with thanksgiving, uh, we need to be giving thanks for all that God has given us. And when you start to think about it, you know, we might grumble and complain because, you know, we don't have what another person has, or we have this problem uh we don't have exactly what we want we try to tell lee that but uh you know as far as he you will know, complain about what kind of food what food we're going to eat uh or something like that but then we do the same thing ourselves in, in other areas uh, we grumble and complain or are not satisfied uh, rather than giving thanks and realize how god has given us not what we deserve but has so richly blessed us and I was telling telling Lee the other day when he was using the argument, that's not fair, uh, that you know he wanted to go to McDonald's right after school or something like that. That's not fair that Grandpa's not taking him to McDonald's. And uh, I told him, well, don't use that argument with me because what would be fair and just is if God were to condemn us all to hell right now. Uh, that's what we deserve. Everything else that God does for us is... Above and beyond what we deserve is all his grace and how richly God has blessed us with, you know, material things. We have, you know, like Luther says in the small catechism, house, home, you know, fields, cattle, uh, you know, our spouse, our children, all these things. And the food that we have, all these things are blessings of God that we don't deserve, but he graciously gives them to us. And who are we to grumble and complain and then you think of the spiritual blessings. We deserve his eternal wrath and punishment, but in love he gave his own son to take our place, to suffer and die for our sins, to rise again that we might look to him in faith and have forgiveness in a place in everlasting life. Well, we don't deserve the blessings of heaven, uh, and yet God is preparing a place for us. Jesus won that for us by his death and resurrection, and so we have reason to be giving thanks continually. And sad to say, you know, we often look at where we will pray about, you know, the things that we want, not in the sense of needing, but, you know, that we desire. But we forget to give thanks for all that God showers upon us for our good. And when we don't give thanks, it's really a lack of faith because we're not trusting God uh, that he has given us what is good and best for us that he's not working for our good. Uh, we grumble and complain. We're saying, God, you didn't, you didn't do it right when you're not being fair to us, uh, when he's being so much better than fair. Uh, he's being gracious and merciful to us and all these things. And Paul says with all praying also for us, That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest or revealed as I ought to speak. And so Paul urges them, asks them to be praying for him and for his companions in the ministry, that God would open up a door to speak about the gospel, to speak the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the mystery of Christ is. The The Greek word mysterion is talking about not a mystery, but things that are hidden and were not fully revealed, uh, but are now being revealed, are now revealed in Christ Jesus. And so the mystery uh, that it talks about, we have all these Old Testament promises pointing ahead to the the Messiah. Some of them hard to understand because... You know, in one place it talks about the Messiah ruling forever and ever. uh, On the throne of David, in another place it talks about the Messiah bearing our sins and dying and being condemned by God. How can this all fit together? Well, it's a mystery until it all came together in our Lord Jesus. Uh, He fulfilled all those passages and still is fulfilling uh, the passages, the promises of God's word. And so Paul prays that god would open up or ask them to pray that god would give them a door of utterance an opening to speak of the gospel of our lord jesus christ and that's why he was in bonds because he proclaimed that you don't have to keep all these jewish ceremonies and rituals uh you're complete in christ you know you can't be saved by being circumcised or by observing the Sabbath or by offering all the prescribed sacrifices or, you know, wearing all the the right garments uh, that the Jews had to wear. The only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus, and he was hated for it and ended up being arrested and uh, put in jail for it numerous times because it was offensive to Uh, the Jews, and offensive to many of his hearers who were looking to their own works uh, in order to be saved. Uh, And so he prays that he might make it manifest, that he might speak out as he ought to speak, that he might hold nothing back but preach and proclaim the truth of God's Word. And I certainly ask that you keep me in your prayers, that Uh, I do that in my ministry and not hold back, but faithfully preach and teach God's word. And for all pastors and teachers of of God's word, that they are faithful in preaching and teaching the word. Uh, So important. Uh, And many times I think we miss out on God's blessings because we simply fail to ask. Uh, God would love to give them to us, but he wants us to know Who it is who gives these things to us. Who it is who blesses us. Uh, He wants us to come to him in prayer. Uh, He says to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. Uh, To walk in wisdom toward those who are outside the church is so important. Uh, We need to... Walk in wisdom, in the sense of, you know, knowing, uh, knowing the dangers that, you know, and the, the ways in which they may oppose us, but also walking in wisdom, not, not uh, doing things, saying things which close the door for uh, preaching Christ uh, and sharing the true gospel when you watch some of the preachers on TV, and I really don't watch preachers on TV, mostly because of this, uh, you see things like healing and uh, requests for money for handkerchiefs that are supposed to heal people if they're placed on them, or preachers proclaiming, you know, that uh, if you do these things, God's going to make you prosper. And it's just you look at them and it becomes so obvious that, you know, it's a sham. Uh, they're just doing it to make money. And, you know, they're, they're there wearing all their fine jewelry and things like that and, and preaching. And the sad thing is that it gives Christians the impression that this is what Christianity is. And it's not. Uh, Christianity is to acknowledge our utter sinfulness and to trust in Jesus and his cross for mercy and forgiveness. Uh, It's not to make a show of ourselves, but it's to acknowledge our sin, trust in Jesus, and also to point to other other people to Jesus for mercy and forgiveness. Uh, To redeem the time is also uh, brought out elsewhere in the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says... uh, Or I should back up to uh, verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, which means to be looking around, to be aware of your surroundings, uh, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, Wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we live in a well. We don't live, we don't live very long uh, in this world, even though it might seem long when we're young. Uh, soon we find, you know, we're getting up there to the. Uh, latter half of our life or the latter part of our life instead of at the beginning but life is short in the first place and the world is just full of ways to waste our time and to do things that keep us from what's really important Uh, whether it be you know social media or tv or things you know there's just a ton of opportunities to do things that become important, so important to us that they keep us from reading and studying our Bibles, from prayer, from going to church and learning God's Word, uh, from witnessing uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to buy back the time. There's not a whole lot of time that we have in this world, and God would like us to redeem the time, not waste it, but to use it for him and to his glory Uh, And that means, you know, learning his word, uh, worshiping him, praying, bearing witness to our Lord Jesus Christ, doing things which will carry over into eternity uh, for eternal blessing for ourselves as well as for uh, other people who may or may not yet know Christ and so we need to redeem the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. And so our speech, uh, the way we talk, as well as how we act in this world, should uh, always be with grace. Uh, we should be gracious, courteous, kind, but With grace here indicating that we are showing we are treating other people in the same way that god has treated us that we are seeking to share with them god's grace and mercy in our lord jesus christ and it's really hard when you know we know people are you know have done wrong and uh, in many ways you know they're uh, we might think they're a worthless scumbag uh, or something like that. It's really hard to look at other people who have done wrong and mistreated people and abused people and abused themselves and to look at them with the eyes of our Lord Jesus, with a desire that they repent and look to him for grace and mercy and reaching out to them in grace uh, to share with them the only way of salvation, which is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's hard to do that because we're so quick to judge and uh, we need to be careful not to, you know, I guess not to, not to let, uh, not to be fooled because a lot of people claim religious experience to try to get out of trouble or to escape problems. But at the same time, we need to, you know, take every opportunity to, bear witness to our lord jesus christ and show his love and mercy to others that they might look to him and be saved instead of condemned uh, forever it doesn't make it easy especially if somebody's really hurt us or someone we know to look at them with the eyes of our lord jesus and again we need to remember that you know we're dead Uh, we've been crucified on the cross of Jesus and now the life that we live we live in him and so we are to be reflecting more and more our Lord Jesus Christ and to live to give him glory now, to be seasoned with salt uh, you know salt is used for flavoring also used for preservative uh, but in other words our speech should be winsome It should be something that uh, does not drive people away, but rather draws them to hear and to learn more. Uh, That ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Where we are to try to be able to answer the questions, the concerns uh, of every person and point them to the Lord Jesus. Uh, the following verses here deal with the people who are with Paul, uh, the people who are uh, that he's writing to, and and I think we're going to save it till next time because uh, there's some interesting things about some of these people that we can we can learn from and see, uh, and I think one of the most beautiful parts of this is we see that you know these are. I hate to use the term everyday Christians, but I mean, these are fellow Christians who have gone through struggles, uh, who are genuinely concerned for each other. And to see Paul's concern for Christians he's never even met, you know, praying night and day for them and, and these other people greatly concerned uh, and devoted to using whatever time that they have in this world in order to encourage people Uh, to trust in the Lord Jesus, which is, of course, uh, what we should do. So we'll save from verse 7 to the end of the chapter uh, for next week. Do you have any questions or comments or anything that you wish to add to tonight? If if not, we'll close with prayer. And uh, we'll continue and probably finish for sure next time uh, the book of colossians you might think if you have any other uh, any other books of the bible that you're really interested in taking up uh, and let me know as well Mm -hmm. but let's bow our heads in prayer Uh, dear heavenly father uh, again we give you thanks for dealing with us in grace and mercy and not as we deserve for we know we deserve your wrath and punishment and yet You so loved us that you sent your son to die for us, that he took our punishment in order that we might look to him in faith and have forgiveness in life. We pray that you would move us to submit ourselves to you and to your word, to live in accord with your word, and also to bear witness to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to others around us in this world. Help us to redeem the time and not waste it on worthless and foolish things, but to devote our time to serving you and hearing your word and growing in our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ Because our time is indeed short and there are many who need to hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Uh, We pray for Linda Conkaby tonight that you would be with her and give her strength and healing as she recovers from a broken hip and surgery we pray for John as well We ask that you would keep them in your care and protection and, above all, comfort them with the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in him there is forgiveness and life and that in him there is something far more better than the things of this world. We ask your blessing upon all of us, your care, your protection, in Jesus' name, amen.